we were talking off air about how I got my haircut and I shaved my face and I just look like a teeny tiny baby boy right now. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Studio Wesley Annex, the audio-visual podcast where we talk about the lectionary texts of the week. I'm your host, Michael Yarrick, here with some wonderful people. Allison, how are you doing? You're, you're muted. It, like, unmuted and then muted. It, I was like, saying, I swear I pressed the button. Uh, I was going to say I'm muted, okay, but now I'm a little stressed about the mute situation. I was stressed for you when that happened. Um, how is your turtle? <laughs> He's throwing a fit. So if you hear some noises behind me, there's a tortoise throwing a fit right here, right here. Allison's tortoise actually muted her again. That that's what Allison, happened. Could you, Allison, could you do an impression of the sound that your turtle is making? The sound that my turtle is making? It's just a lot of scraping, like like just like a, you know, okay. just a lot of scraping. Could you do it like on your he, desk maybe so that I could? Yeah, like th that's exactly what I'm going for. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's pretty much yeah. it, because he's, he's like at the edge of his like enclosure, like just tearing things up. He is at the he's edge having, of his rope. <laughs> he's having his enrichment time in his enclosure. You know what? Gotta have, he's got to have something. Oh. Really, oh, he's throwing oh. a fit over some rocks I put in there. Those aren't the right rocks. <laughs> Sydney, how are you doing? I'm good. I went on a hike this morning and I saw a toad and it was cute. Do you so, think the toad, the toad would like to hang out with Sirius, the turtle? They could be friends. They could be friends. Sydney, do you know what a turtle in distress sounds like? <laughs> no. How about a toad? No. Do you? If, no, but if, if you could imagine what a distressed toad would sound like, what would it sound like? I'm not doing that. It's just like a like a like a lower pitched ribbit, like a sorrowful like, ribbit. I think. Yeah. Well, that could also be like content. Like I'm oh. content. So would it be more like rabbit? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes. Um, that's what we're going for. That's 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 okay. the sound. Cam, how are you? I'm good. I've interrupted everybody. Uh, I, we were talking off air about how I got my haircut and I shaved my face and I just look like a teeny tiny baby boy right now. <laughs> and it makes me feel fresh and good and sparkly and branded. Cam, if you were to say what a baby boy in distress sounds like, what would you say it Yeah, okay, like? yeah, here, hold on one second. Okay, all right, so a baby boy in distress is the prompt. Correct? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, all right. All right, here we go. Hello, my name's a baby boy and I'm in distress. Hello then, I'm not very happy about it at the moment. What are you talking about, me mum? <laughs> Will you, will you will you now do your dog in distress just out of curiosity? Yeah, okay. So now okay, so that was a baby boy in distress. And now here comes a dog in distress. Are you ready? 
Okay. I know my name's a dog! <laughs> I know I'm a dog and I'm upset about something. <laughs> okay. How, how is that? Cameron's actually on Fiverr doing, like, requests for voiceover work right now. Yeah, if anybody wants it, I can do any impression of anybody if you want. <laughs> Give me another one. <laughs> Here, I'll do uh, Derek. You want me to do Derek Scott the Third? Please do Derek Scott the Third. Right. Oh, my name's Derek! <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's enough. That's enough for me, I think, this Sydney, would you like to would you like to pray for us? Please, please, God, play, pray, pray for us. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for laughter and joy. Um, it's a gift, and um, I. I'm grateful that we get to start this time just enjoying each other's presence. And um, I think that that's how we should approach the scriptures um, is just authentically. And um, so God, thank you. And I pray that you would um, maybe speak through us to each other, that we would learn from each other, um, that this would just be a really good time. And your precious name, Jesus. Amen. <sighs> Thank you for that, Sydney. You held it together way better than I did uh, off mic. Um, Allison, would you like to take it away with 1 Corinthians 12? I'll do the thing. Yay. And go. You know, I was already like slightly nervous about going first, but now I think like Cameron's impressions are going to be even harder to follow up after. So it's fine. Um, yeah. So I have 1 Corinthians 12, 3 through 13. Um, this was interesting for me because I feel like as I was reading it, my brain was like, this is the thing you could talk about. And this is the thing you could talk about. Here's another thing you could talk about. And I had a really hard time like settling on things. So I didn't. So there's, there's just like a few things that I'm going to talk about and all the things. Um, I guess the first thing is I do like in this beginning, there's like, a verses four through six kind of talk about like, uh, it calls it grace gifts. And it talks about like all the different ways that you can serve. Um, and I always love verses that talk about that kind of stuff, just because I feel like we get stuck in these patterns of like, we serve in the church in that physical building. And that's like the thing. And I think like, not everybody, obviously, but I think it's just important to name that like, you can literally serve anywhere and doing anything. Um, and there's so many different ways to serve. And so that's just like a small little thing that I like to pull out. And I'm like, I just want to name that and make that like her. I'm so sorry. I forgot that I was sitting on yoga ball and I'm starting to bounce on it. So I'm going to not do that. Um, also... I feel like the later verses after that is kind of where I'm going to focus more on. But um, I feel like there's just random hints of like individualism and connectivism kind of in this verse a little bit or a lot of it. I don't really know. Um, but it talks about like the different gifts that people receive, uh, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, all the different things. It like talks about all the different gifts and how people receive those things. And I feel like that kind of speaks to like that individualism, like, it's kind of this part of the Bible where it's like, yeah, we are all different and we have all these things that we bring to the table and like, you know, no two people are going to have the exact same thing. And um, I love verses like that just because it talks about, yeah, I feel like it's just 
you know, we're all walking different paths of life. No two people are going to be in the same exact position all the time. And we're doing all the things. I'm a social work major. And one of the things people constantly say to us in our program is that you can never say the words I understand because everybody is going through something different. So you'll never truly understand what someone else has lived. Um, and so I just like that, like those few verses that are like, this person, you know, may have this gift and this person may have this gift and this person got this thing and that person got this thing. Cause I feel like kind of points out that like, we're all different. Um, and I think that's really cool. And then it also like brings in, in the next or last kind of two verses that I, um, read through 12 and 13, it brings in this, like, also connectedism, connected, connectedness. I don't know if either of those are words, but I'm going with it where it talks about, um, how we were all washed through baptism and we're all together and all the things. And I feel like, so I feel like I keep saying, I feel like, and I don't have another phrase for that right now. Um, but there's this, like, it starts off with this, like, we all have these other different gifts, but then we also are all like connected in that way that we all have, you know, God in our lives and we all believe in God and have faith and do all the things. And so I kind of like that there's those two versions of like, here's all the ways that we're different, but then here's this one way that we're all like connected together. Yay. Thank you for that. The reason you keep saying I feel like is because you can't say I understand that. <laughs> Just kidding. But um, no, I, 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 I love anything that, that points towards the individual experience of this, obviously, because I don't know. I think of times when I was a kid, we like went to this church and my dad would always refer to the church as as a club because it just that's like what it felt like, because um. I mean, that's just the way it was interacted with. And I, I, I almost wonder if the reason that like sometimes it feels that way in a church or if it feels like the sermons aren't hitting you specifically, it's because everything's treated like once you're in the door, that's like the focus versus the outside, the everyday experience isn't prevalent at all. So then the sermons actually naturally take that same posture of like, uh, I'm talking to the group of people that comes here every week. I'm not talking to anything in our lives outside of that. Although like you can use buzzwords that make it seem like you are, but if you're talking to like a group of people inside four walls as like the four walls being the definition of it, then you're naturally not going to get any broader than that. I don't know. I will leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Mike, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I also think that maybe the difference in uh, what is a spirit led and filled church and what is a church that feels and looks more like a club is what Allison was talking about with the ways in which we are affirmed as individuals in our individuality and in our particularness and that it is precisely in our particular identities and all of the nuances and idiosyncrasies that make us us that we discover the love and grace, and passion of God. Um, I was in this uh, show in high school. I did theater in high school, and I was in a show. It was like my senior show, so I got to play the main character, and the show was called I Love You Because, and the basic thrust of it was it was a rom-com, and the characters need to learn how to love each other, it's a romantic relationship, not in spite of who they are, but because of who they are. And it sounds to me like discovery of the spirit in ourselves is learning to say about ourselves and to others, I love you because of who you are, not in spite of who you are.
Oh, uh, yes. Good stuff all around. Um, I, yeah, I like, I like the scripture. I like that, um, it does balance. Like, I don't know. I feel like the scripture is like a perfect example of why, like, they're two sides of the same coin, like our own individuality and our like interdependence as the body of Christ, you know, like those two things completely inform each other. And so it's not like either we're these individuals with these individual gifts or we're connected as a body. It's like, it's because of that, that, and I mean, it's obviously intentional that this is a Pentecost scripture on like our first Pentecost, you know, expression into Pentecost. And it's like, as we're kind of exploring the pouring out of the Holy spirit and this idea that like the Holy spirit is what also connects all of these individual experiences that we have and make them like one whole thing, you know? Um, and so I think it's like so important. Did I mention that this episode starts Pentecost? I didn't. So Sydney, thank you so much for doing that. Um, we'll pretend like that was said way earlier. Um, well, in, in your defense, Mike, we do we do tape these weeks before the event themselves. So for you to know that you are in Pentecost is for you to be a time wizard and to be able to project true. yourself into the future. Yeah, it's actually say, I know where I am. It's actually 2019 right now. That's so. the past. That's the past. Oh, oh, oh right, 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 right. Um, um, maybe so. the Acts two scripture will bring some clarity. Sydney, ah, uh, ah, uh. <laughs> that's yours. Yes. Yeah, so Acts two, Acts two is actually yes, the Pente- the Pentecost scripture, um, about the day of Pentecost. Um, and so I think I feel a little bit intimidated having to talk about the scripture because it's such like an essential one, I guess, to this season. But um, it is Acts 2, 1 through 21, if you want to read the whole thing. Um, And I'm honestly sure you're familiar with the story. Um, It's the day that the disciples are hanging out together and the Holy Spirit comes like wind and fire. And then they start speaking in different languages. And, or maybe... Other people are just hearing them in different languages. I don't know. Unclear. Um, and people gather and are like, they're drunk. And then Peter's like, no, they're not drunk. This is the Holy Spirit. And Joel taught us in the, um, that this was going to happen. And so, um, <laughs> and that's just my version of the story. But I love the scripture. I've actually been talking, like, the last, like, three or four episodes, I've been in Acts. Um, which I'm grateful for because I feel like I've actually kind of been like walking backwards um, through this story. And um, I also love the season of Pentecost um, for many reasons. But I think that, you know, this scripture, there's so much that can be said about the scripture. It's a long scripture and there's like so many different things you could talk about. But for me, something I like to really reflect on at as we begin the season of Pentecost is this idea of like connectedness through the spirit. Um, the, the scripture starts literally when Pentecost day arrived, they were all together in one place. Um, 
And I think that this is a really beautiful season to emphasize the importance of community. Um, And I think that Pentecost is really about, like, I think growing up, I was kind of taught that Holy Spirit is like your conscience, like your Holy Spirit is that little voice in the back of your head that tells you what's right and what's wrong. Um, And not that the Holy Spirit can't be that. But I think that what the scripture really tells me is that the Holy Spirit is that kind of powerful and kind of supernatural and like unexplainable force that we experience when we gather and when we're together in community. Um, And I think that's really what the scripture is about. And that's, you know, Community is something I experience every day as being magic. Um, I see people get access to resources through community that they need um, that they wouldn't otherwise have. I see people um, get through really hard things through community. I see people experience really beautiful things in community all the time. and. Um, yeah, so that's just what I'm thinking about in this Pentecost season. And I think that it's, it's you know, the scripture is um, also just reminding us that I think, I believe that it being in community, in spiritual community and community otherwise, is an essential part of, like, our spiritual practice um, and our connectedness to spirit. Um, so that's what I'm thinking. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts on the scripture. Um, I just want to say mostly, um, you said the phrase community is magic. And I love like pulling that piece kind of out of this a little bit, just because um, just thinking about like young adults in general, like that piece of like community being missing is so much. So having that community there is so much. Um, and it makes me think of like, you know, when I started at Flagler and I didn't have a community and I just did not want to be there. And, and then, you know, I stumbled upon one and I was like, oh, wait, that was the problem this whole time. Like, I didn't have a community here with me. I didn't have people around me. And so I just think um, it's so important to talk about that kind of stuff of like how important community is to people, especially like in, you know, young adult age range is having those people around you as you're doing all of those hard life things and all those transitions and all the things. Yeah, I'm think I'm thinking about how these two things like work together. Like the claim that I just made about how like the church club community is can be like very problematic, and then how like yes, I absolutely agree that um, that community is like a vital piece to to like a spiritual journey. And, and yeah, I just I just like wonder how those two things work in tandem. And I, I do feel like the biggest part of that is like open doors, um, but then also like boundaries of like. Um, you know, you obviously don't want like harmful people coming into that spiritual life for you and everything, and then negatively impacting that journey. So I, I don't know. It's just a, just a weird question conversation. I don't know if I have an answer to that, but you know, it's interesting. And so, uh, my day job, I work at a church downtown and I lead theology on tap and it's, uh, sort of, it's one of the closer forms of community that I've developed at the church because we've been meeting as a small group basically every Thursday for um, 
over a year, a year and a half, two years. And uh, we're reading Howard Thurman's book, Jesus and the Disinherited, right now. And in it, the first chapter, Thurman, uh, Thurman mentions how it, in Christianity, the will to share, he, he defines it as the will to share, is becomes like an ethical, moral imperative in Christianity. You have to share. You have to give what you have. And he says the shadow side of the will to share is that we begin to see uh, our neighbors as objects of our care rather than our neighbors. So there's community. Like I loved, Sydney, what you said about community being a source of like liberative um, love. Liber liberative in that we can help each other and we can provide for each other and we can look out for each other. And Thurman says, insofar as our will to share is, is born out of solidarity for our neighbor rather than a desire to give where there is perceived lack. And that is like, that's spirit-filled community. That's magic. And it's not utopian magic. It's just human magic. God, that, oh, Sydney, yeah, please. Yeah, sorry, I just, I just wanted to add one more thing. Um, I think what you pointed out, Mike, is really important. And I just want to say that, like, I myself, am not super plugged into a spiritual community and I like a church right now because th this, that's not what I need right now. And so I don't think necessarily being plugged into community has to look like being plugged into a church. And I just want to just like disclaim that because that is not what I'm saying. Yeah. What I'm saying is like, for example, I tomorrow, literally tomorrow I'm going to an event that for this person, like an acquaintance I have that I'm not even friends with who's having an event for their birthday slash a fundraiser to fund their top surgery. And it is literally huge. Everyone I know in Atlanta has been posting the flyers. They're, everyone's donating clothes. Everyone's donating their artwork and their stuff so that they can do different like raffle tickets. Like it's just, I have goosebumps just like witnessing it play out. Um, and to me, that is the mat. Like that's the magic right there. And that's, the spirit that's holy spirit like in action you know um and so yeah i i don't know i just want to share that but also yeah i think it's like it's so much bigger than just the church building um it's magic we can experience anywhere and i want to i want to quickly piggyback off of what you've said Sid. uh i think that so so if you study uh research on the fastest growing uh, like denominational affiliation or religious identification of folks our age, millennials and Gen Zers. The phrase that is used for the fastest growing population is the nuns, the spiritual but not religious. And I think that I think that that phrase or that label isn't like particularly helpful. And there's this sort of sense that individualism is shot through the spiritual, but not religious. They care about spiritual consumption more than they do community. And at least that is the criticism of those who live inside of the church and want the nuns to start coming to church. But the reality is 
that community is happening and it's happening outside of the church and it's happening with folks who are willing to pool their resources together in order to afford top surgery for a friend. Yeah, I um, I have nothing to add. I wanna I wanna leave it there. Uh, yeah, uh, we're about to go to break. We'll see you soon. Two things before we get started. First, we want to point out Allison's I Like Murder shirt, which is not, in fact, an I Like Murder shirt. Allison, what does the rest of it say? Um, see, but I kind of like the mystery of it just saying I like murder. Um, oh. It says, I like murder shows, comfy clothes, and maybe three people. <laughs> it's the three of us here. For sure. <laughs> Depends on the day. I'm just kidding. And then the, the second thing was, I feel like I missed an opportunity by not having Cameron do a wonderful impression to like bring us into the break. Instead, would you like to take us into the Psalms chapter 104? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, take it away. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to do something that I think that we otherwise don't typically do on the pod and the YouTube, which is actually read a great deal of the scripture that we're assigned and i i'm only reading it because i think that it ought to hold your attention in the same way that it held mine so if you need to get into the sort of space where you can like hear what is being said now is your invitation to get into that space uh so my scripture is the psalms i keep being assigned the psalms because i said one time i love the psalms and so every time I've been back on this show, they keep giving me the Psalms, which I'm fine with, but I would like a little variety. I can, I do love the Psalms, but I also love other stuff. So please, but okay. But so the reason I want to read this whole Psalm is because it's pretty good. Uh, and I think that my point is dependent upon the reading of the Psalm. So this is Psalm 104 verses 24 through 34. It reads... O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom, you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. There is the sea great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. So we can imagine the psalmist as uh, they are writing this psalm. What they're doing is they're sort of reveling in the majesty of being alive, of, of having breath, and of seeing the world that we live in. They look at the earth and they say, wow, it's full of stuff. It's full of your creatures. They assign uh, the creatureliness of being alive to a creator. And then the psalmist says, there is the sea, great and wide. Creeping things innumerable are there. Living things, both small and great. That is true years and thousands of years ago when the psalmist first sung this psalm, that the sea is great and wide and there are innumerable things there. And that's true today. 
we know that we are still learning about the ocean. It's one of the last frontiers. Um, we're still, every time we take a submarine to the deepest depths of the ocean, we find new stuff that we hadn't seen before. Creeping things, innumerable are there, things both small and great, including the Leviathan that you formed a sport in it. So we can imagine that the writer has seen large whale-like creatures in the water and has gone, wow, that's a wild thing that's just playing around in the water. And then it reads, it continues in verse 27. All of these things look to you. We look to you to give them our food in due season. When you give them to them, they gather it up. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, here's the Pentecost bit, they are created and you renew the face of the ground. What this author, this author is making a claim and the claim is that we, this life itself is a spiritual, is, is permeated full of the creative, liberative spirit of God, the sacred, the divine. And this is the last verse I'll read. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. What is the glory of the Lord in this psalm? The glory of the Lord is life. It's to be alive, and it's to meet life with reverence and gratitude. And that doesn't mean that we look away from the hard things of life to only see the good things, the joyful things. But it's rather to say that we, we may look at our lives through the lens of tear-stained eyes, and we can still say the Spirit is here. Uh, and that's, that's why I wanted to read the whole psalm. I think that I... For me personally, in Psalm 104, as I was reading it, I could I could see and feel and hear the movement of the divine in life itself. Yes, that was that was beautiful, Cam. I'm like immersed. Um, I think that yeah, I think that there's something really special about like reflecting on the divinity of life um I think that that's something we need um especially in a time when we are kind of in the midst of things like the climate crisis and things where people groups get so divided that we start to just like dehumanize each other that it's like somewhere along the way we completely get detached from the magic of life itself and that like that is of utmost importance and not wealth wealth is not the end goal um you know power isn't the end goal but like life and quality of life and is is at the center of it all and so thank you for that reflection um i think it was really beautiful and I think that, to your point, Sid, I, th I think that uh, a sustainable uh, land ethic or ecology ethic or, or 
creation care is a phrase that used that is used in the Christian world. I I think that what this psalm shows us is that maybe sustainability and reverent like a uh, care for life itself is in some ways dependent upon reverence for life itself. Gosh, this is like one of those moments where I was so intensely listening to you do your thing, but I feel like I don't have something substantial to follow up with. Um, I will say I do appreciate the way you kind of took that text and the way you broke it apart and made us like really think about all the things it was saying. You know, it's like taking everything that's happening in that text. Um, and because you kind of walked through it step by step, here's what's going on. Let's read it slowly. Let's take it in. It kind of makes you reflect. I mean, on similar to what like Sydney was saying on like everything going on outside of the text. Um, and I just really appreciate the way you did that. I'm um, I'm similarly in Allison's boat. I, I do think the the experiential nature of, of the Psalms and hearing it read out loud does totally bring a different element to it, um, which is, I mean, naturally they're supposed to be music. And I think, you know, you can make the same argument about, about music where you like hearing it and reading it, two different things. Um, but no, yeah, I, I, I very much appreciate this. I also love the idea of, of picturing like, the creatures wrapped up in nature and the discovery of everything like all all in the midst of this it's wonderful um okay so now it's my turn i'm taking over the gospel john text um my grandpa would be so proud that he knows that i've done john this many weeks in a row every time i talk to my grandpa he's like well if you have any questions just read the book of john so uh here's me talking about john the only book my grandpa cares about that's a joke he doesn't watch these it doesn't matter uh john chapter 7 verses 37 through 39 it's only three verses so i'm gonna read you the whole thing um blasphemous of me um says on the day on the last day the biggest day of the festival jesus stood again and spoke aloud and he says if any of you is thirsty come to me and drink if you believe in me the hebrew scriptures say that the rivers of living water will flow from within you jesus was referring to the realities of life in the spirit made available to everyone who believes in him but the spirit had not yet arrived because jesus had not been glorified um I hope that I don't go too simplistic here, but if I'm being honest, the, when I first read this, I was like, that, that, that's it. That's all. That's all I got. That's all you're giving me to like talk about. All right. Uh, cool, 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 cool. Um, so yeah, at first I wasn't really sure what to go from here. If any of you is thirsty, come to me and drink feels very straightforward to me. Um, uh, but then I, I don't know. I'm thinking more of this in terms of like what studio Wesley Annex is as it pertains to, uh, young people and faith through a restorative lens. And, um, and my brain always goes back to the difficulty and the, the like structure and heavy rules that I associate with Christianity from when I was growing up. Um, and then I look at the wording of the, of these few verses. And I think the wording is interesting in the sense that, um, if any of you are thirsty, come to me and drink followed with, um, if you believe in me, then you get this, et cetera. So to me, the mere attempt of asking the question um, is enough to satisfy the stipulation of believing God. What I mean by that is saying, um, I think sometimes we have this image of believing in God to be, like I said, this multi-layered and multifaceted process. But in this verse, I, I hear the comment saying that if you simply ask God for something, you're acknowledging 
belief, you're believing in something, at least believing it in enough to ask the question. Um, so I think like take this scenario on a different level, um, like one that's arguably more common. If something bad happens and you say, God, please, there are many times in our lives where people, where people make this prayer or plea to God um, that don't consider themselves believers, right? Speaking to God, praying, making sort of a comment in God's direction. Um, and those people don't necessarily call themselves Christians, don't call themselves believers. But I, I don't know. I read this verse and I could be wildly off base here, but I, I read it and I, and I hear the statement that like by making, by extending that question, that statement, that offer, whether you believe, believe or not, I do think that is, that is a statement of belief. You're like taking a step saying, I have at least some small degree of hope, some small expectation that something could happen. Um, and maybe it's from a place of devastation, but it's still there. Um, so all that to say, um, moving further into the realities of life that the spirit makes anyone that, uh, sorry, uh, when I say that, it's like you're still making a movement into the, the realities of life that the, the scripture says, um, that the spirit is available to anyone and everything who believes. I think uh, that sort of thinking opens a lot of doors for us to uh, kind of close the divide um, that we were raised in, or I was raised in thinking where there's a different, there is this difference between believers and non-believers. Like there's, that's the divide that I'm talking about. And I think this helps close that, that door a little bit. Um, and it makes the job of highlighting and championing the gift of God's grace and love so much easier when we can, when there's all these scriptures that say, if you believe in me, then these things are available to you. Well, I think there's a, there might be a much smaller threshold for what, how we determine what that belief looks like. Hopefully some of that made sense. Uh, I'll throw it over to you guys now. Um, I just want to say, I love that you kind of throughout all of that brought like hope into the picture. Um, because I love pulling hope out of different different verses. I'm just talking about in general because I think like um, kind of even on like your worst days, even in the midst of the worst things, um, sometimes all we have is hope. You know, that's what like gets us through hope for that better thing. Hope for like you said, hope for the thing that could be coming or hope that there is something that is going to happen. Um, and so I just love that you kind of tied that into those verses. And I think, Michael Yarick, that it is really insightful of you to to ask a question of like, how, how do we define what belief is? If the threshold for whatever God's grace is, if, remember that's if, if that's the threshold, and we can talk about that if too, maybe there's a different threshold other than belief for God's grace. But if it is the case that belief is the threshold, whatever that means, then yeah, what, what does it what does belief mean? What does it look like? And I think that a lot of folks assume that there is an answer to that question, to the question of what is belief. And the reality is, I think that not only are there a myriad of responses that are potentially appropriate in any given situation, but it's the fact that folks have been asking that question, what is belief, since this shindig started. So to assume that we have the answer is almost like it's intellectually arrogant and it's it's proof of like the spirit and an intelligent intellectual humility to be able to genuinely and honestly ask that question without necessarily expecting an answer. Yes. 
so good. Um, I think like, oh yeah, I, I feel like I was, I'm trying to remember where I was. Oh, I went to this, um, there's like this queer small group I go to here in Atlanta. It's like a Bible group for queer people and we kind of queer the Bible or whatever. And it's super cool. Um, and, and in it, somebody was talking about like the importance of like trusting your own experience and holding that intention with scripture and knowing that both things are like important. You know what I mean? Like our own personal experience is just as important as the traditions that we've been handed through scripture and what we've been told scripture means. And so, yeah, I mean, it's like one of those things where, I mean, for me, like, and maybe this is bad to say, but like, I don't really care. Like, it's not that I don't care about the ways that belief has been defined, but to me, I see it. Like I step into communities of people who don't believe in Jesus or who don't subscribe to organized religion. And I see the spirit at work in their communities. I see them loving each other. I see them taking care of each other. I see light and like hope, you know what I mean? In a way that I'm like, I don't, I don't need anybody to tell me whether the Holy Spirit exists here or not, because like, I'm just like experiencing it, you know? Um, and yeah, yeah. So I think that it's just also important to just trust what you're seeing and know that and experiencing and know that that is like, we can apply our own experiences to what we're reading in scripture and let it allow us to see it differently. Yeah. I, I, I think there's this like weird defensiveness that starts to like appear in Christianity too, where you're like, well, when people come at Christianity, they come at it with these like definitive questions of like, you have to have answers for this. Um, and that, and that causes us to put lines in places that there does, there doesn't necessarily need to be lines there or like definitive, like stri- structures. I mean, even, even now I'm feeling, I feel like, um, uh, convicted in the best way of like, I, I mean, I noticed myself looking for those hard definitive answers because of hard definitive questions that get thrown at you and people wanting to make sense of things that sometimes just need, like Cam said, a very like humble sort of approach to everything. So, yeah. And, and did, Sid, what, yeah, what, what you said first, it was so good. And that's why I'm responding. I, I feel enthusiastic. And, uh, what was I going to say? What you were, what you're doing, at least what I see that you're doing a way to like interpret your statement, uh, I feel and believe the spirit here, and I don't need you to tell me whether or not that is the case, because this is not a traditional community, according to some of the Christianity that we've inherited in the United States of America. And what you're doing there to me, and, and the way that I would interpret it for our elders is witness. We're doing what you've asked us to do. We're witnessing to the spirit and we're following the spirit and that is requiring every bit of our courage and our faith. And that does not necessarily mean that when we don't show up to first church on a Sunday, that I'm not witnessing to the love and spirit of God or the divine. 
I just want to leave it there and ask Cam if you want to close us in prayer. Yeah, sure. Let's pray. God, you see us. You see us in our in the fullness of our lives, which is never clean and clear-cut, undetermined, without ambiguity or ambivalence. And you live with us in the fullness of all that that implies, in all of the ways in which our community defies expectation or tradition, in all of the ways in which our lives are lived in uh, inheritance of a tradition that was given to us by our elders. Uh, may we continue to witness to your spirit when we see it, how we feel it, when we need to talk about it. Um, and continue to uh, show us the way, which is that our lives are full of your grace and deserving of our gratitude and our reverence, not in spite of who we are, but because of who we are. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Y'all, I'm very excited about this episode. I'm very excited about this episode. Uh, thank you all so much for giving your time to, again, such an amazing episode. Um, until next time, this has been Studio Wesley Annex. Bye-bye.